Welcome to the Smiling Homeschooler Podcast. This week we discuss something that is extremely important to us, which is being real. This is something that nearly everyone struggles with, but it's also something that we need to do more of. We hope you find this episode encouraging. But before we begin, we also want to thank our sponsor, Teaching Textbooks. They make math fun, and you should go check out their website over at teachingtextbooks.com. So let's get started. Here's my dad, Todd Wilson. Okay, well, everybody, uh, we're just a few days away from my daughter Catherine's wedding, and then then we can quit talking about it, you know? Um, we spent today making signs, and we're getting... We're kind of, I feel like this is like the long jump uh, where, you know, I used to be a long jumper and you would like start out real slow and then you gain a lot of speed until you hit the board running at top speed. I feel like that's kind of what we're doing. We're getting ready to, to go. And I think everybody's ready to just get it on, you know, and, and be done with it uh, and hear all the, have all the good things to talk about afterwards. But we're getting, uh, I think, uh, uh, fatigued just by the, the time of this and it's been a short engagement only five months i remember ben's it seemed like it stretched on forever uh so we're excited forever. hopefully the huh i said it was forever it felt like it at least it was like more than a year i think so hopefully the snow will stay away it's supposed to snow tomorrow i think for the next couple of days um so hopefully that won't put a damper on things uh but we're excited and ready to go um but hey uh we've talked wedding plans for a long time so we don't need to talk any more wedding plans um, but Ben, uh, you sent me a, a quote that I thought was a good quote. We're just going to jump right in. Uh, and uh, do you have that quote up? Now? Yeah. And this is by David French, who I don't know exactly who he is, but National Review is what he was, wrote this on, I guess. But he says, mm-hmm. pastors and families often idealize public school experience, calling it a mission field and holding out hope that their children can be salt and light in a difficult environment. But the process of education largely, largely involves one-way communication with the teachers and administrators, seeing the students in their sec- as their secular mission field. Isolated young children often more, are often more vulnerable than powerful. And then I've seen many parents come to grief as come to grief as fully indoctrinated peer pressured kids make mistakes with lifetime consequences and i just thought that was a super powerful and very realistic way of looking at it um because i mean obviously every parent hopes that their kid will be the you know going to the school and change the whole school system and everything and that everyone will become saved because their kid uh or at least a lot of parents hope that um or maybe not. Maybe I also just hope they don't do drugs and things like that. But uh, well, I think a lot of people, I mean, it's kind of like one of those uh, uh, false myth buster kind of things. You know, are kids really salt and light in the school? I, I just don't believe it. I, I just don't. I mean, I was a, I went to the public school and I was a Christian in the public school. I hung around mostly uh, Christian friends, not all Christian friends. Um, and I don't think we were salt and light. I think we kept our heads down. We kept out of trouble. Uh, we didn't want to be, we didn't want to stand out. Um, and I just think when people say those things, they're wrong. Uh, in fact, I agree with the rest of that quote is, is basically, you know, the school gets to do all the talking and we just have to sit there and take it. Right. Um, and I mean, and, and, and if your kid is bucking that nonstop saying, well, that's not true or oh, that's, like your kid just can't, like they can't do that all the time and they're not going to be able to pass things if they're doing, you know, and I mean, it's just, it's, it, yeah, especially the thing I think where it's like, you don't have the power in the relationship. And as a kid, my concern every day, and maybe I was just an ungodly kid, but was not to, you know, 
proselytize to everyone. I mean, as a kid, you're usually just trying to find friends and, you know, make it through the day, do the things you want. Like you're not usually thinking that far in advance or that above yourself. And obviously that's something you can help train. And I think your kid could have some good influences on other people individually, maybe, but I mean, statistically, the chances of your kid changing the, you know, everyone versus them getting changed, I think is so low. Um, and I just don't think it's a valid, a valid argument of why they need to go and become, you know, the missionaries to the school. Um, right. Because really the opposite helps. I mean, it usually happens. I mean, there's a, a, a passage in the old Testament that talks about a priest and he takes his holy clothes, you know, and it talks about, you know, if he takes something unholy into his bosom or into his clothing, his clothing that is holy doesn't make the other thing clean. It has just the opposite effect. That which is unclean uh, soils him, changes him. And I think the same thing is, you know, that myth of uh, that our kids will have an impact in the school system, which really what happens is the school system has an impact in our kids' lives. Um, it just doesn't seem to happen that other way. I, in fact, uh, I, I'm just so uh, struck by how even the media, um, like when you watch a movie, they portray like the school system as this machine that's trying to crank out little, you know, robots that will think and act like the rest of the system. Um, I watched this movie last night on Disney Plus, um, Timmy Failure. Have you heard of that one, Ben? No, I mean, other than I saw it on Disney Plus, but I haven't watched it or anything. Well, apparently it's a it's a book series and uh, this odd kid, and it's not a great movie, it's okay. Um, but I thought it was interesting because it all takes place in a public school setting. And uh, he's like in the fifth grade, he's getting ready to go to middle school. And uh, he has these, he always like daydreams of situations that are really bigger than reality. I mean, not truth, um, but kind of like a, an exaggeration. And uh, he thinks of himself going to middle school and it shows this picture of him going into this big factory, you know, it looks like Mordor, you know, and it's the name of the school is our crusher of of souls, middle school, um, you know, and uh, I just and it has all these kids marching out, you know, like like zombies jump, jump, jump or like Nazis, you know, being trained um, in what they were going to be taught. And really, it was to be taught, you know, whatever they wanted to teach. And I think, you know, we have this uh, unrealistic thing in our head that we think that that's not the case and it is at this uh, age I feel like is when they're being instructed and you know you're teaching and all this stuff and it's just I don't think I don't know very many kids who at the age of like 10 are strong enough in everything they believe to be that you know a bulwark against sin and incorrect thinking like I just I mean that's a very like not vulnerable, but yeah, vulnerable, you know, teaching time and to expect this little kid to go in there and do that when often adults don't even do that in their own workplaces or things like that. I just think is very, you know, is not, uh, is not very realistic, but, uh, yeah. but no, I just thought it was a really good quote and I, uh, I thought I'd, it I'd share it. So 
I'm going to take just a minute of your time to thank Teaching Textbooks for sponsoring the Smiling Homeschooler podcast. Teaching Textbooks is one of the best math curriculums around, and our family used it for many years, and we've loved it. They have a new version of the curriculum that's better than ever, and you can access it on Windows, Macs, Chromebooks, and even smartphones. Every math problem is explained and demonstrated in an easy and fun way that takes some of the stress and responsibility away from you. Teaching Textbooks stores your child's grades, so you can easily ensure they're learning, and you can check in on the progress if you want. Teaching Textbooks makes math fun. You should go visit the website over at teachingtextbooks.com to check out a free trial and view a sample lesson. Well, hey, uh, let's let it uh, also maybe kind of not turn the corner, but maybe uh, use this as part of our conversation. Um, Because I was speaking at a uh, event this past uh, Saturday. Uh, up in Brighton, Michigan. And by the way, if you'd like me to speak at your group and you're not too far away, um, about 250 miles from Northern Indiana, uh, I'd love to come and speak to your group. Um, or if you'd like Ben to come and speak to your group, uh, he'd be up for that as well. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I was just struck, um, again, maybe that, that mythology that we believe that, you know, real school does something better than our school so this this uh, again there's this just this huge belief that you know that the school system does something better than we do or that the school does it right and we don't do as right and there was a mom that was saying just this simple simple thing she was saying oh uh you know it was kind of a couple's banquet they were having and she goes oh it just felt so good to get away from my kids she goes, I almost put it on Facebook, like, oh, I'm looking forward to a date night with my husband, you know, and a break from the kids. But she says, I was afraid of what people would say. And I thought, say about what? You know, because every parent loves a break from their kids, you know? And uh, it just was troubling to me that we have these moms who are so fearful of being real. Uh, I mean, uh, looking at Facebook, uh, uh, earlier this week, I put a, a, a meme, you know, where this mom with the crazy look on face says, uh, me, when my 12 year old asks mom, do you spell they with an A-E or an A-Y? You know, and, and these moms, you know, they're still, they're just so thankful that I would say that because they're, they have children who do that very same thing and are scared to death that they're the only ones. And so what do you do when you think you're the only one? you're silent you don't say anything you don't ask for help because you're afraid people are going to judge you and people are going to say things um this uh i you know I, th- I put up yesterday a little meme that says it doesn't matter when your children learn to read if you have a 12 year old who is still isn't getting it that's okay just keep plugging away and smiling at your child you know i'm thinking oh you know what's the big deal you know because we have all had older children who didn't learn how to read. I can remember, and we've talked about it before, Ben, you know, he didn't get it right away. It was, I can remember his mom saying, he's never gonna get it. He's never gonna understand. And Ben, how many how many books do you think you read in a year now? Uh, last year I hit 60, which was lower than the year before and the year before that, but I've read seven so far this year, I think. Okay, uh, well, you know, and he is an avid reader. Of all my kids, he reads more than anyone else. Um, and so it just doesn't really matter. Uh, and this, I mean, there was Megan said, you know, after seeing that she said needed this today, I put so much pressure on myself to get my five-year-old reading 
because her little friends in our church's Christian school already are. I felt like a complete failure for a while because she struggles, but she is not defined by when she starts reading. And she is so smart and so kind. She'll get it. Ben, you know, when you read those, does it just hit you as, what is going on here? I mean, I get it. I mean, I think of that. And I also understand like it is super hard because everyone else does put pressure and they're like, whoa, you are, you know, should you have your tech check to make sure she's you know <laughs> smart enough and there's not some kind of handicap or whatever. And I mean, people genuinely give their opinions like that all the time. And that is really hard to fight, especially for me, because I definitely do that. Um, but uh, Mia said, isn't it's isolating. Isn't that exactly what our enemy wants? And I think that is spot on. Because, and actually, we were just talking about this because our pastor at our church was talking about the fact that 75% of people uh, suffer from the thing where it's a, some syndrome where they, I mean, basically it's just the thought that they think they're a fraud, that everyone's faking it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that I was just really struck by it because it's like every situation where I think, oh, everyone else in this room totally knows exactly what they're doing or exactly what they're thinking, wanting or whatever. And I'm the only one who has no clue what I'm talking about. Um, everyone else is thinking that often too, you know? And, and I think that Satan does use those uh, situations of, trying to make you think, doubt yourself to then pull away from other people and isolate yourself, not be open up to other people and attack you, make you doubt and potentially make decisions that are, you know, harmful to you and your kids. Um, and I just think that is so, uh, dangerous, uh, because it just, it's, it hurts you and everyone else around you really. Cause I mean, and it's, it's so funny because oftentimes the person who's real, everyone else loves that person because it's like, there's someone who actually like is saying what everyone else thinks. That's what memes are so popular because it's just like people post these super obscure memes and you think it's obscure, but it's like, everyone thinks that, you know, everyone's thought that at some point. Um, but for some reason, everyone thinks no one else does, you know, but I don't know why that is, uh, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a same shame to see, uh, Sherry said, need to know what worked for Ben. My 13 year old still struggles. Um, I don't think I, I don't really know like what exactly worked for me other than just, I really found books that I really was interested in and found things that I cared about. And it wasn't just like, I didn't do a ton of like required reading for school. It was just kind of like we go to the library, I'd find books that interested me and I'd read, you know, when I was uh, getting breakfast, you know, or eating breakfast in the morning and just kind of stuff like that. And so they just kind of let me read whatever I was interested and I in. I will tell you from a parent's point of view, you know, I, I I will say it's not a certain reading program that helped him to read or any of our kids to read. So you just keep plugging away and don't get frustrated. You know, um, even I know Ben, especially, you know, Ben, we had a set of encyclopedias and you look through those fairly often, you know, just different pages and you would look through the pictures and, you know, and, and we didn't put too much pressure on them because that's how you kill that, that, and, and, you know, and cause them to be afraid to read. Right, totally. And I mean, a lot of kids, they think like, I talk to um, all the time, people who are like, I have, I've only read one book in my life. Like I know at least four or five people who, um, they weren't, they didn't, weren't homeschooled, but I've said that. Um, and uh, some of them were homeschooled too. But a lot of times it's just because they don't actually, they've never read anything other than school stuff. And I think that's, that's not a good representation of it. And Melanie said, there's definitely a time when speech therapy or other professional help is needed to overcome a learning obstacle. And I mean, Diana Craft, like, yes, there's obviously different, there's different ways of learning for everyone. If your situ, the way you're teaching may not be super effective for that kid and it may take them longer. But I think 
also some of those things just make it a crutch of like well they just can't learn it you know and and i think a lot of it is just understanding it can just be different than some of the other kids versus uh there's something you know where they can't do it or that there's something inferior with them it's just different um it takes everyone i mean it takes me to like my wife you know she can pick up an instrument and pick out any song within just a couple minutes you know and i like can't even play jingle bells on a piano you know because like i just can't understand like i don't get like the you know the higher lower like i understand like roughly but i when i try to do it i'm just like i can't keep it I can't do it, you know, but my wife never played any of it probably. And she could still pick it out on anything because she just it, understands music and learns it really quickly. And, you know, and again, it's not that I have a defect and maybe I do in some way, but like that doesn't really affect anything long term other than I just have to learn differently. Or, and if I want to do that stuff, I have to practice more. I have to, you know, use more discipline and I just have to learn differently than she does um, in that right, situation. Right. But well, and I think that's exactly it. I mean, because we are just different. You know, uh, there are some kids, including myself, you know, we don't love reading because reading is not a visual. I'm a visual person. I like pictures. I like short paragraphs. Um, I don't like long books. Uh, you know, I do better with stories because I can put the, you know, I can put the pictures in my head. Uh, I don't like textbooksy things. I don't like books that give me instructions. Um, my wife, on the other hand, she loves you know, those self-help books. She likes things that tell her what to do. She doesn't want to mess around with pictures and stories. She wants, she doesn't like flowery language. She just wants words and solutions. Um, And I think sometimes, you know, like you said about the instruments, Ben, you know, that's just not who you are. And I think parents, sometimes we just need to know who our kids are. I remember uh, hearing, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but Uh, It was on, someone said on the Microsoft, when you applied for a job, maybe a higher level job at Microsoft, one of the questions was, what instrument do you play? It was not assuming, you know, it didn't ask, do you play an instrument? It was assuming that you did play an instrument. And I remember people saying at the time, so therefore, you know, if you want your kids to be that kind of, you need to make sure they're playing instruments. I don't think that's the way it works. I think what Microsoft saw was people who are inclined to do whatever instruments or music are also inclined to doing what what they wanted. And, uh, you know, it's in your brain. You don't try to adjust your brain so you can get the job, but it's a maybe a telltale sign of someone who is already able to do the job. but again, going back to just being real with one another, um, you know, uh, there was a mom who responded to Megan and said, you know, Megan, you know, you're way too young. Your kids are way too young to stress about reading. And then it goes on. And, and this Megan wrote back and she said, thank you for this. Comparison is definitely the thief of joy. Um, she's such a fun kid. I'm blessed. It's our first year homeschooling. I'm trying not to get overwhelmed by it and, it, and to truly make it our own journey. You know, I do think that that comparison is a thief of joy. And if you have to stay off Facebook and if you have to stay off social media, you know, so you're not comparing, then do that. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, it. maybe that's even in your co-op. Maybe you're, uh, you don't belong to certain co-ops because it's just a comparison of what your children are not good at. I know that for certain of our kids, you know, when they had to do, we didn't like, Um, where kids got up front and had to give a little speech because we knew some of our kids would fail at that every single time. Um, And so we just 
decided not to do that. Um, you can do that as well. Um, but I just like to, again, as we shut things down, I just want to encourage you to be real. It's okay to say my five and six and seven and eight year old and 13 year old are still not reading, you know, and I would, or to say, you know, we don't do algebra or we don't do this or we don't do it that way. You know, we don't like unit studies. We just do workbook pages or we don't do workbook pages or we don't test or we don't do grades or we don't whatever. Um, it's okay to say that. Um, and you don't have to make excuses. And then can I just encourage you? I've, we've talked about this before. Just letting other people be real. Because I know, because I honestly, when these kind of conversations start on Facebook, it makes me nervous because I get nervous for some moms who like to add their two cents to solve the problem. Right. You know, so they'll say that my kid's not reading. They're like, well, what I've found works best is if you spend one hour a morning doing this and then follow (laughs) that up by this. And if you use this (laughs) curriculum, my kid was able to read in one month from not being able to read a sentence. And it's just like, don't try to fix it. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to be real because they've had that trust, um, you know, burned or hurt by someone else around them. And, uh, you know, try to be that person for others, be real. And if they're real with you, just be so trustworthy of that, you know, never make them feel belittle them or, um, embarrassed by what they've said in in terms of that, because otherwise one, they'll never do it again around you. And two, it's going to be very less likely that anyone else will ever want to be real with you or you to be real to them because, you know, you weren't very accepting of that. And I think it's real easy to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I agree. it's just important. I agree. And so maybe, you know, when I, I would not offer your advice, even on Facebook, unless they ask you for it, you know, just keep it to yourself. And when someone says to you, well, my child isn't doing this and they're this age, you're, I think your response should be, oh, that's okay. They're going to get it. And that's it. Or maybe you share how your child is the same way. You don't have to say, you know, and then we, uh, you know, we, we ate some super health foods and then our kids got all better and they're healed um, because somehow it doesn't come across as encouraging. It discourages. Um, and, you know, I just I just don't like that. So anyway, hey, have a great rest of the week. Have a great Valentine's. Maybe uh, spend that uh, that day doing something loving for your family you know maybe make special desserts or have the kids make some cookies and you can take them to someone or just remind each of your children how glad you are to be their mom how glad you are that you get to have them home all day long and that you get a homeschool um and really that should make you smile have a great week Thanks for listening to the Smile Homeschooler podcast. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. Again, be brave and be real. Share your struggles and allow others around you to do the same. Don't believe the lies that are inside of your head. And if you have a question or need encouragement, feel free to message us over on Facebook. also want to say thank you to Teaching Textbooks for sponsoring the Smile Homeschooler podcast. They make math fun. You should go visit their website over at teachingtextbooks.com to check out a free trial and use sample lesson. Have a great week. And as always, keep smiling.